Greetings and welcome to What's Wrong With Wolfie. My name is Jason. And I'm Rich. And I'm Chris. And this time is the TV shows of 1995. And at the top of the show, as always, I'd like to give a really big shout out to our supporters, Andrew and Tristan. We uh, we really appreciate your support. And if anyone listening would like to do the same, then you can't, as we have shut the Patreon. <laughs> uh, but we do have a replacement coming. Look out for more information coming later this week. Uh, and uh, I mentioned Andrew's name right there. He's he's one of our wonderful supporters and. Uh, we kind of got an opportunity to, to thank him in person uh, this week because he's actually here. So uh, I'd like to welcome to the show the uh, editor-in-chief of uh, Lost in Cult, the Lolocon Books, and uh, fellow podcaster from the Dreamcast years. It's Andrew. Hello. Hello. How's it, how's it going? I literally just came on just so you could thank me in person. That's the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you later. Thank Bye. You. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a pay-to-play podcast, this, so you literally have to give us money to be on it. So yeah, yes. that's why I assumed. Yeah. It's gone. We uh, yeah, we're locked behind a paywall. Uh, <coughs> so uh, yeah, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us, and uh, we're very excited for you to be on. And uh, I know you've got a wonderful sh- TV show to talk about a bit later, so uh, mm-hmm. look forward to that. Uh, Chris and Rich, how are you two this week? All right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. yeah. First, first of all, it's yeah. nice to meet Andrew for the first time. It uh, is, isn't it? He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he does. I'm very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I've had a week off work, so I'm pretty chill. Um, yeah. Banging. Yeah. Excellent. Getting there. I had a month off work, and I'm second week back. I'm feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> a bit after a month. Oh, wow. God. Well, it was an un- unintentional month. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. Um, I think it was to do with uh, with a, a, a little car accident that you had yeah, wasn't just, it just a just a small one yeah you know just a little one only only five grand's worth of damage on a 14 grand car but it's fine yeah we're yeah. right yeah we're not even a year into the pcp <laughs> of course pcp what you know monthly payment finance oh, okay we meant pcp i was like jesus no. <laughs> what's i gonna do with it and um yeah just uh oops yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. I bet that's what you oh, said dear. when you crashed the car. <laughs> yes. I said more than that. I'll tell, you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, I said less than that because they put me on gas and air in the ambulance and I've never oh. been so chilled in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, wow. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, I'm right. I think a, a trip to Chris might be quite an interesting uh, experience. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to admit to a few things, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get quite hyperactive, <laughs> uh, but not really? that time. I noticed. Yeah, could just imagine me drinking. Richard tells some stories. I just don't stop. <laughs> I'm like a child. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so swing back round to you quickly, Andrew. Uh, hmm. If if anyone's listening that doesn't know you or what you get up to, I, I mentioned slightly there about Lost in Cult and Dreamcast years. But um, well, why don't you tell the the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I guess uh, the thing that I was known for originally was, and if you don't know me, how dare you? How dare you not know who I am? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, so I was. Uh, I, I wrote a book about the Dreamcast called Dreamcast Year One, uh, which I kickstarted and it did pretty well. And then I kickstarted my second book, which I'm still working on. It's been a very, very 
very long process. Uh, they're still going on. So Dreamcast Year 2 is in the works. And um, as part of that whole thing, I kind of founded uh, Dreamcast Years along with Rich and uh, and then um, our good friend Steve and eventually your good self as well, Jason, yes. um, which is a podcast where we talk about the golden years of gaming, which has expanded from like five years to about 20 now. <laughs> just keep adding them on. Yeah, um, you do, don't you? This is like the third or fourth revision, isn't it? Yeah, I have promised that I will stop now and I'm going to stick to that promise because I think if I could just kept adding them on, people wouldn't take me seriously. Not that they do anyway, uh, but you know, just can't keep adding. Just be, it would just be, wouldn't be the golden years of gaming anymore. It would just be gaming. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's All fun. of gaming is the golden years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, so that's good. So I do, I do that. Um as a podcast and uh, then yeah I, I work over at Lost in Cult uh, which is like a we do a lot of different things we're like a publisher so we publish um, our own journal which is Lock On um, which is a video games journal essentially and there's lots of cool articles in there and amazing artwork and the second volume is actually due to ship hopefully in the next week uh, which is going to be great Jeez. and uh, and then yeah we're working on the third volume um, which I don't know when you're planning to release this particular episode. Um, Be Monday. Monday. Well, in that case, keep an eye out because on Monday we have something special to share uh, on the 29th. This is so, like yeah. an exclusive. I'm excited. Like, yeah, it is. It's, it, I'm very excited by it. It's very, it's very cool. Um, but yeah, we do all that kind of stuff and we have like a members club. So people who um, back us on Kickstarter or if they just want to join, they can join the members club and we all of our staff writers are on there and they write articles about basically whatever they like. We don't give them a remit. They can just write uh, recommendations for games or books or films that they enjoy and then they can write articles about anything that takes their fancy pretty much. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, that's that's basically basically what I do. Oh, and I, um, I'm a team member over at the Dreamcast Junkyard as well. So I, I host most of the DreamPod. Um, over there, which is a lot of fun. The guys there are a lot of fun. So yeah, that's so what I do. Don't really do much. No, not not much. No. And, and and I'm definitely definitely not planning to do any more pod- podcasts. No, 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 no more <laughs> sure, plans. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned about Lost in Cult and the Lock On books, and I have Volume mm. One, and uh, it is everything that was promised. It's a very uh, beautiful book, and the art does really complement the writing in there very nicely. So. Uh, I'm very excited to hear that my volume two might be shipping out in a week. So uh, yes, I will say crossed. volume one still smells fantastic as well. <laughs> so even after all this time, that's good to know. That's good to know. I've I've heard that the smell of two isn't quite as pungent, <sighs> um, but the quality is better overall. Okay. So it makes up for it. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay then. Uh, well, let's 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 get into the show and uh, I guess the first question that I have which is the first question well it's not the first question this week but it's normally the first question I ask every week and that is what is in your glass Rich? Ooh, what have I got this week? I have got um, it's Overloaded by Armandson Brewery yet again Armandson Brewery they're not yep. a sponsor um, <laughs> but they bloody well should Neo- be <laughs> they should be yeah Armandson <laughs> pay us please um, it's a Neapolitan ice cream shake imperial pastry stout it is 11.5% and yeah I'm feeling it I must say <laughs> I've nearly finished it um, it's fantastic I think I've had this one before mm-hmm. um, but yeah I got this for my birthday it's lovely stuff that is uh, um, banging mate that sounds amazing yeah it's pretty damn stunning 
Yeah. Yeah. So we're that time of year now, back on the stouts and porters again. Mm-hmm. So have you, have go you got to, the uh, Christmas beers? Not yet. Ordered? No. I'm mm. hoping I get some for Christmas, but I've got one eye on the uh, some of my uh, various internet uh, sources, so mm. I might order myself some just in case. Um, Probably a wise move. Yeah, I don't trust anyone to give me <laughs> what I want, so I'll get it for myself. Yep. And uh, have you got a nice rating for this one? Ooh, I'll give this one a nine point four. I'm going to say. Mm. Yep. Tasty. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm going to pass this question over to Andrew as well because I know Andrew is uh, might be drinking a, a nice little tipple there as well. I am. I think this is pretty much the first time I've ever had a beer on a podcast. Mm, it's amazing. Voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it's like so. Anybody who doesn't know, Rich converted me to beers this year. Like I hated beers <laughs> since the age of fifteen when I got incredibly drunk on Budweiser and vodka shots, and then threw up everywhere. And since then, the taste of beer is just yeah not not being good for me um but um yeah rich introduced me to sours when we went to a beer festival i don't know why i agreed to go to a beer festival and i don't like beer <laughs> but i did and <laughs> rich introduced me to sours and they're the best thing ever um yeah. so i'm currently drinking a double maple triple chocolate blueberry s'more uh from vault city <laughs> lovely yeah that is amazing as well. oh Jeez. it sounds great 10 yeah. percent Ten percent. Oh, I'm only about halfway through it, and I'm I'm definitely feeling it, and I'm up for work in the morning, so I'm slightly worried now. But Andrew's going to be slurring by the end of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got a rating for that, Andrew? Ooh. Do you know what? I've only I probably only drank about maybe seven or eight sours so far ever. So it's pretty. It's up there. I think. I think it's probably probably a nine. I'd probably give it a nine. Yeah. Excellent. Now, those uh, Vault City beers do look really tasty, and I'm they quite are. tempted to try and get some myself for Christmas. But uh, sure. I said that a year ago, and I still haven't got any. <laughs> Come I on, Chris. Keep forgetting. This now's year the... hasn't. This year has been so shit. <laughs> well, that's why you need such... beer, Chris. <laughs> yeah. beer. I, just keep, I, I just keep forgetting, and then you record, and you think, "Oh shit!" Come on, <laughs> the, the, you've got a perfect so, excuse if the year's been that bad. Let's, oh, let's finish it off with some good beer. Yeah, you, send, we'll send you a care package. Yes. Yeah. You have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been a gut punch after a gut punch. Anyway. Right, um, <laughs> I'm me, drinking coffee. I was going to say, I'm sure me and Chris are drinking boring crap, so we won't even go there, and you've what? just proven me right. I think me drinking coffee is equivalent <laughs> to someone else drinking alcohol, so... Mm. Oh, fair enough. Fess up, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I've got a nice glass of water. Oh. Wow. Yes. Filtered or tap? Um, (laughs) Same question. Straight out the tap. (laughs) (laughs) So this is why I never ask myself or bring this up because my drinks are always boring. Unbelievable. I know, right. I haven't got a pick this week. Uh, Andrew's kindly taking my place for this one. So you've all been, uh, I'm going to say relieved, but I think that's the wrong word. (laughs) I don't know why, but uh, I have been relieved of my duties. Maybe that's where I was going. So... uh, we are going to do that, but first, I want to talk about a little TV show that returned this Sunday <gasps> evening. What show do you think that might be? Ooh, I'm going to go with Eurotrash. <laughs> Wouldn't would that be wonderful? I, I would do anything to have Eurotrash back. That is just oh, a yeah. work of art. That show. That was is it so amazing. so clever. Yeah. Is it Keith really Chegwin's Naked Jungle? 
Oh, How God. did you know, Rich? <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. I mean, he's, he's dead, but... He's, yeah, <laughs> so naked that... Uh... I, don't see, I, don't, I really don't want to see Kivacek. Kivacek went naked now, but... No, no, absolutely. Well, that went in a way that I wasn't expecting, Sorry. but uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> as always. Uh, yeah, as always. Gang, he's dead. I'm really sad now. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Oh. Damn it. Anyway. Well, let, let's bring it back up. And it was Games Master. Games Master returned on uh, YouTube to start with uh, before premiering on E4 only last night at the time of recording. Um, I've watched it. Uh, I know Rich has watched it. Mm-hmm. Andrew watched it this evening. Chris, did you watch it? I I haven't watched it. <sighs> no. No. But spoil away because I'll probably completely forget by tomorrow. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Well, what, what was the impressions? Uh, Let's... Yeah, Rich, tell 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 me what your impressions were. I mean, I I loved it. And first of all, I will say that I don't watch TV like linear television anymore. And I was actually busy around was it seven PM? It yes. came on YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, I've missed it. I've missed it. Mm-hmm. And I thought I can just wait one hour and watch it on YouTube when it is immediately there on demand. I, I was treating it almost like it was linear TV. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much it kind of transported me back like 25 years. I was like, oh, it's Games Master. I've just missed it. Um, but yeah, I really, really, really liked it. I thought it was done as well as it could have been. It had the spirit and the feel of Games Master, but it didn't feel like it was kind of pandering to us old fans. It wasn't trying to be like super tribute or homage. It was very much doing its own thing as you know a rebooted show and also it was the fact that the whole gaming landscape has changed so massively compared to where we were when that show was in its heyday i mean you can't just do the same thing again nor you know nor should you you've not got the mm-hmm. same host it's all new refresh but it still had the dna it still i felt completely at home the moment it started when um was it Robert Florence, was it? Rob Florence? Um, the host? Yeah, as soon as yeah. he came out, I just felt kind of at home with yeah. like the Druids and the Hoods. It was in those, um, what was it, like a pumping station, wasn't it? The That's actual, right, yeah. Not a set, an actual location. Which yeah, was it's, a, just, it was a, it's a working pumping station. There's, yeah. There's, there's, they were using it at the time of recording, and apparently the smell was quite pungent. Yeah. Didn't necessarily like, and I think it's more of a thing that's common now with TV, I didn't like the whole kind of top gear feel now when everyone just kind of stands behind with their arms folded mm-hmm. like the audience I, I it's something it's a weird pet peeve i have with television i don't know why it just seems like every show does the same format now with the audience it's mm-hmm. kind of a bit too casual for me uh, it, maybe it's just me being weird but um but yeah i really really enjoyed it trevor mcdonald is the games master um i Thank think you. Yeah, banging. I still feel like maybe I'm being a bit unfair. It was the one thing I thought was just a perfect choice. But if I had any kind of nitpicks, I still think maybe from the first episode, he's not quite completely in his delivery completely there yet. He's still kind of feels a bit like he's reading off something. And like there's something more instant, immediate with Patrick Moore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to do you know comparisons. It's not fair, but. I don't know, maybe he'll, in well, we've got, what, two more episodes left, so he hasn't got much time, but maybe he'll get a bit more comfortable with it. Some of the stuff are a little bit off, but again, I'm, I'm nitpicking. Yeah. Um, 
but, but I like the role he had now. I mean, obviously you couldn't do the consultation zone anymore. It's we don't live in the age now of kids waiting to no. find walkthroughs. You know, it's all there on YouTube. Just there's no need. So him kind of introducing the challenges and talking to the challenges before they stepped into the arena. I thought that was nicely done, and I kind of like how they made it kind of a bit. Room 101 ish now, as well, with them being dropped to their death if they lose. <laughs> You've actually got like stakes now instead of them not just winning the golden jo- joystick, there's actually you know the threat of imminent death. So that's good. No, I re- really, really like it. The hosts mm. are all fantastic. Um, Trevor McDonald was good. Um, yeah, I think they did the best they could after such a long time, and I'm um, I can't wait for uh, this Sunday. Really, really can't wait. Mm. So, yeah, I love, I loved it. I loved it. Now, um, Andrew, a little bird told me that you, you've not watched Games Master before. <gasps> no, never in my life have I watched an episode of Games Master until today. Until today, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. But what was your uh, impressions of this uh, program? You say there's, do you say there's only there's only three episodes? Are only making three episodes of it? Of the new yeah. one, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see why. Ooh. Ooh. Um, hot take. Hot take ooh. coming up. Ooh. <laughs> um, it, it, it was my first episode of Games Master. It will certainly be my last. I didn't like it. Fair enough. What? Fair enough. What, what, what was it that you didn't like about it? Ah. Uh, so I, I, I just don't think it was for me. I, th- I don't think it's aimed at me. I've never been somebody who really cares that much about. Um, gaming as a competition like you know i don't sit and watch esports i don't you know i don't um watch people play super smash brothers against each other or watch people play tech or anything so i i I get it but also i was like i don't know who these people are i don't really care Mm -hmm. who they are um like the the first one with the the super mario thing i was like okay that's that's all right but then the two the couple who played call of duty one no Nobody should be playing Call of Duty. Fuck that shit. Um, yeah. And second, like I don't, I, I just did, I didn't, I didn't care. Um, and the presenters were fine. It was all fine, but it was there was so much of the stuff with the people I didn't care about. And then like the presenters, like there was a a review of um, Cruise and Blast. Yes. Yeah. And it felt incredibly short and like, okay, and, uh, you know, that was fine. But it's like, well, you reviews for video games were a dime a dozen on YouTube. Doesn't feel like there's a point of having it on a show. Basically, to be honest, I've just never felt that video games work on a TV show format. There's been a few that have done it okay, like Bits was great and I didn't mind Thumb Bandits. Um, But by and large, when you put video games onto TV, it just never feels like the hobby that I know it's it's either skewed to a laddie kind of side of it or it's skewed yeah. to a nostalgia side of it or it's skewed to a competition side and it's like ah, it's just not it's not something that I'm interested in gaming wise so I can see why people like it and obviously if you used to watch it I totally get why it would be nostalgic for you I completely agree about Trevor McDonald it, it's, it felt like he was reading off a script um for the whole time uh, and I found it just really cheesy in places. Like when people fell to their deaths, obviously they were just told to go, ah, <laughs> and then a really badly CGI'd thing of them goes into the thing. It just all felt weird, and they got a celebrity on who I'd no, no idea who they were. Yeah. Um, 
who and who then confessed that they'd played Splatoon 2, which was the game they were playing, for a bit around their mums. It's like, okay, so you've come onto a show to play a game competitively and you've played it for a few minutes around your mums and get beaten by a kid. I, it's, I don't know, it just also... Yeah, it just wasn't for me, <laughs> basically. That, that's interesting to hear that take, though, because obviously, like, I agree with everything Rich said, and but I've I watched it back in the day you know I I grew up with Games Master I've Mm -hmm. got that nostalgia for it so coming into this I have that kind of history with the with the TV show already yeah um so I I think the way that they did it was was great and literally what Rich said I, I agreed with um but I can see like from someone who's never watched it that it could be quite off-putting in some places I mean the, the whole abyss thing I loved it I thought it was quality I, I loved the bad CGI I think they did that on purpose yeah um, very much tongue-in-cheek it kind of fit yeah. with the tone of the original I, show it was kind yeah. of a bit but like they used to do that in the old show with the pit but you never really saw anything you just saw them walk off and you just assumed that they went to the pit yeah. but um seeing them go into the abyss and seeing them drop in like that and then you just see them fall into the lava and it's just like ah, and then that's it every time i just laughed it was quality um i mean i did laugh i did cackle actually i mean i kind of had my reservations about Trevor mcdonald but that bit when the uh the couple went in the pit and he says oh bauer young love dies and he just says mm-hmm. They're dead. Like you just emphasised it. I was like, okay, you got me there, Trev. You got I, I me. I did giggle at that. To be, I did yeah, giggle at that. To be, I, the delivery was so because yeah. he was kind of almost kind of reading it. It kind of made it even more deadpan. Like because he just had completely straight face, straight tone mm. to it, and it just was yeah, very yeah, blunt. And it's just so dry, isn't he? And yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. Even so. the ketchup and mustard challenge. Uh, yeah, when, when never ketchup, had those guys ever. So no. just for the record. <laughs> nor, nor had I. Um, but when the ketchup uh, dude fell into the lava, and then there was just that couple of seconds silence, and he went, "I prefer mayo." That was just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, that that challenge as well. That was like when when the main host um, brought them out, and it was like, "This is re- you know, this is really exciting. This is really important. These are really important people." I'm like, I have no idea who they are. And it's like at least when if you do watch esports or anything like that, you get a sense that these people have climbed up through the ranks, and they're at these esport events because they're great at what they do. Um, but in this format, they didn't really have a chance. You couldn't they couldn't do like a montage of the stuff that they'd done beforehand, or because it doesn't fit with what they're doing. But no. on the flip side, that just meant that I had no idea who they were, why they were important. You know, even even a short description about the achievements they'd had didn't really give me. A, much of a thing and it just i don't know it just again it's not for me i get that like if i'd have watched games master in the day and enjoyed it then maybe i'd be like yeah this is great i have nothing wrong i find nothing wrong with like remaking things for nostalgia purposes but in the age that we're in now where youtube is king you Mm -hmm. can get reviews of games like just by switching on your tv and, and searching for the game you want to find a review for or you can watch people play competitively or you can go and find like a youtuber who does funny commentaries on games or you know an interesting documentary about a game i find that much better than sitting down for 45 minutes and watching a bunch of people i don't care about play games that are not that good so i think i think that that's the trouble for this day and age so i think i think they got those kind of people on because they were trying to attract the more younger audience because obviously they probably knew who all these people were instead of us three middle-aged men you know (laughs) you call them (laughs) middle-aged 
you get in there, Andrew. Exactly. I think that's why you have to do that because it does just become a tribute show. It becomes a nostalgia fest. And I don't want that because it is kind of pandering and it doesn't yeah. have any real substance to it. It's purely like, do you remember? Do you remember? And it's like, I don't, I don't want that. No. Um, yeah. And, and so, I like the features yeah. that they did do just to break it up with the uh, uh, playing that uh, driving game on the couch. Yeah. Um, Educating Grado was fantastic. That I mean, as well I, was I'm a wrestling funny. fan, so I, yeah. I, I recognise Grado. And I was like, ooh, okay, Grado's on this. Fantastic. Sure. Uh, but, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think I think it was quite good that they got these kind of people onto the show because it, well, apart from that Call of Duty one, which was just shit on many levels, but uh, I think the other ones were quite strong. Maybe that celebrity one as well, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But the Mortal Kombat one and the and the Super Mario one, they were quite strong because of the yeah. people that they got on. If it was just Joe Bloggs off the street like it was in the old ones, then those challenges may not have been so entertaining. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I, I didn't mind the Super Mario one, to be fair. Like, it, I felt like it started off fairly strong and then it just lost me, I think. So it, I didn't mind that one. The Call of Duty one, yeah, not great. But then I just didn't get the Mortal Kombat one at the end either, to be honest. But yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I can see why. I can see why. Like, I, I can't knock people for bringing back something that's nostalgic because I write about the Dreamcast for what I do, and I write like about old video games and stuff. So you know, people people love nostalgia, but it's just not a nostalgia that I hold personally. So although it wasn't for me, and I'm I'm knocking it because that's just my opinion. Because I'm you know I can see why people would like it, and I you know it's it's certainly not terrible, and I can see hopefully the younger people might enjoy it. Because as much as I don't think it, I don't think this stuff works on modern television. That's not to say that I wouldn't love it to work. You know, like if they brought something back like bits. Um, awesome! Like I'd, I'd be all over that. So you know, if if people really like Games Master, and I know that there's a huge love for it out there, if it works for everybody who really enjoys it, and it also works for some of the younguns um, out there, then great, all power to it. Hopefully, ho- hopefully it gets more than three episodes. Even though I joked at the beginning, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's certainly not something that I would continue to watch. But it, it's great that it exists and it's come back for sure. Yep. I know I'll be looking forward to Sunday and episode two. So are my kids. And I think that was the other thing I quite liked about it. Apart from the Mortal Kombat, I had to cover the Tyler's ears. Uh, ears? <laughs> Eyes, because I th- knew it was going to get quite gory. And I was quite glad I did. Uh, you, had no, you had no knob gags, though. So that was a relief. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it was quite nice to sit down and watch something like that with my kids as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun, fun episode, hopefully on Sunday. As we talked about TV picks, let, let's get straight into them. And uh, why don't we get into your pick first then, Chris, and uh, tell the good people what TV show you picked as your as your uh, TV show 1995. Well, it's Star Trek Voyager. Computer, is there an identification matrix on Mr. Neelix from the last time he used the transporter? Affirmative. Transfer it to console four. What are you doing? I'm using the transporter matrix to get exact specifications for Neelix's lungs. I thought you just said we can't replicate his lung. We can't. But if I can reconfigure my emitter array, I might be able to create a pair of holographic lungs for Mr. Neelix. Holographic lungs? If it's successful, we can precisely control his pulmonary functions to allow normal breathing. But a hologram is just a projection of light held in a magnetic containment field. There's no real matter involved. Now. You hit me. 
The magnetic containment field that creates the illusion of my body can be modulated to allow matter to pass through it, or be stopped. Yeah, so we're 1995, I'm just about 11, like just, and this new Star Trek comes on. And obviously we, we've had Next Gen and DS9 and all the original series movies, and I remember the trailers coming out, and this was before I had the internet. And you didn't even see this stuff in the papers. It wasn't even a UK thing to report in the papers. So I was just, I remember it came on and I'm like, well, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and um, yeah, so this new show comes out straight on the hills of DS9 and Next Gen. And produced by the same people, the same behind the scenes people. And it just felt homely. I don't know what it, what it did right. It just felt... Just, I don't know, maybe it's because I was a young age and it was this, you know, two years after DS9 debuted and we had this brand new show. Was it, was it do you think, it because was, um, we'd had Deep Space Nine and it was such a complete change to the Star Trek oh, yeah, it formula? Was complete left field. Yeah, like. so we'd gone from Next Gen where it was, you know, normal Star Trek formula to Next Generation, which was based solely on a space station well mostly on a space station uh, which was stationary that was the home and you know Voyager came along and it went back to the old kind of Star Trek formula yeah it went to back to the uh, planet and alien the week format and 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 maybe that's why it felt quite homely you know familiar didn't it it's odd because I remember everyone everyone always asks you don't they like uh, when did you discover wrestling? When did you discover your love of Star Wars? What was your first James Bond or Star Wars movie? I don't remember what my first Star Trek memory was. And it's weird. Because I don't. I just remember liking this thing with all these pretty colours and this spaceship and these ad- ad- adventurer week type things. And I just, it really worked for me as a on a personal level and it just stayed with me ever since mm. and growing up with I was aware of Next Generation and then obviously when that became a hit in the early 90s in the UK it kind of Star Trek was at its most powerful between 1990 was it 1990 with the Undiscovered Country all the way through until about 2000 when Voyager started winding down in its last season or two it was this literal powerhouse of production. They were churning it out, next-gen movies, next generation was winding down, they were churning out DS9, Voyager, Enterprise was out literally less than a year after Voyager had ended. They didn't stop. And I think I've brought this up in another podcast as well, because it was all produced by the same people all the way through, consecutively. It felt Homely. The whole Star Trek universe felt like this complete bubble of aesthetics and writing and music. Because they used the same composers, the same sets, they used the same map painters, they used the same prop designers and prop builders, they used the same um, seamstresses, the same costume designers. It literally had this encompassing feeling. And then Voyager came along and it was kind of... Like you said, Jason, it went back to episodic TV show setup where DS9 was very politically driven. 
they wanted to throw kind of throw that away with Voyager and go action adventure on a weekly basis and I think they did it well and the casting of every Star Trek series I don't know how they do it is always on point apart from maybe one actress or actor who leaves you know quite early on or halfway through Voyager got it bang on Next Generation got it bang on as did DS9 and even Enterprise people give Enterprise crap but Scott Bakula dude come on like (laughs) Mm-hmm. He carried that. It was fantastic. And yes, it had its down thing, down down moments, but the same with Voyager. And I'm so happy that Kate Mulgrew came in and became Jane in the end, because I don't know if anyone Star Trek fans know that she wasn't the original first choice. Mm-hmm. They filmed, I think, a day with uh, Genevieve Bujold, mm-hmm. a French-Canadian actress, and it wasn't working. And then Kate Mulgrew came in and she owned it <laughs> straight away. And can I just say that Star Trek, again, being the first to do landmark things with their TV series, they had the first French, French, <laughs> inverted commas, uh, Patrick Stewart playing a Frenchman with an English accent. <laughs> and then you had the first black lead in a Star Trek show. And then you had the first female. And now with Discovery, we've kind of had the first kind of non-human captain if you will it's, it's one of those progressive things that it always knocks on through but the casting for Voyager is on point the set design is fantastic Every, just everything about it and I think as an 11 year old when you, you've, you're obsessed with this one little universe that you want to live in it sticks with you because it was brand new when I was a bit older so when DS9 was out it was 93 so mm-hmm. yeah this literal it never ended it felt like it was never going to end this powerhouse of golden age star trek and they just did it so well mm-hmm. they really did yes the writing's a bit hokey and it's extremely like well what <laughs> but it's just i don't know it works on an ethereal level it's a strange thing with voyager and can i just say as well that the opening credits and joe goldsmith coming back to score that opening theme is a phenomenal idea and it is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And if you listeners out there have not watched or seen that opening credits for Voyager, it's about two minutes of your life. It is sublime and it is gorgeous. It sounds so beautiful. Did did you it's, um sorry, did did you ever get a bit fed up of it though? Like it was like I've seen this uh, title sequence quite a lot now and I just want to see the episode and uh, No. I on. never skip it on Netflix. I never skip Voyager's intro. It's just a few Star Trek... Sh- I mean, when you watch Enterprise, yeah, you skip it. So, all right. <laughs> or, you just, or, you just, or you just mute it and watch the lovely visuals and then just unmute it. But I never I never get sick of hearing it, even on a soundtrack compilation, like mm-hmm. if you listen to it while walking or working. It just sounds beautiful. It's just got this lovely emotional punch and that's what Joe Goldsmith was good at. He could literally, like John Williams and... Hans Zimmer and John Barry and all these other famous composers when they compose emotions and it works really well that's when you know it's perfect the concept of Voyager was sold as basically a very small ship with a very small crew literally gets flung way out of their depth the seeds were set for Voyager apparently in early 90s 92 where they introduced the Bajoran race and the Marquis renegade factions that are anti sort of federation kind of crusaders, 
and the seeds were set really early on so then it went through next gen into ds9 and then you get the seeds are all set and then voyager is perfectly set up for this this conflict now on paper these people were flung 75,000 light years away from home they're on a small ship relatively small crew with about 150 of them plus this renegade faction of crew from another ship that was also caught in this phenomena that you find out later is a technological race that can move people at fast things across the universe across the galaxy but the way they wanted to do the conflict was very very clever but i think it was one of those classic cases of interference and design by committee where after the first two or three episodes that gets completely gone <laughs> and it's such a shame because you had the captain goes to find tom paris who's in a penal colony serving time but she wants him because he's a good pilot and he knows this area of space that they're going to. So she literally breaks him out of prison, or not breaks him out, or offered, was it a pardon or something like that. And you have this lovely setup where you could have conflict. And the more left Voyager, because the concept was they were so far away from home with very little resources, they weren't a deep space vessel. If the, ne- if the Enterprise for the Next Generation had the same thing happen to them, you wouldn't feel, the, the threat wouldn't be there, would it? The ship's so big. You're going to feel that, you're going to feel that threat and that anxiety for them. And Ronald D. Moore left Voyager because he wanted to take Voyager in a place where Battlestar Galactica originally went in 78 and the reimagining adventure would go. Do, do, you, it, do you still think that on the later seasons? Because they did try and bring in some continuity between the episodes, didn't they? Yeah, they they did have the plot threads through and then you had the Borg reintroduced and they had so much opportunity to do amazing things with Voyager. But again, I think Paramount Committee was just like, let's just play it safe. People want to tune in for safe television. Um, Andrew, what's your thoughts on uh, Star Trek Voyager? Oh, goodness. Lots of thoughts on Star Trek Voyager. It is... So, I mean, in terms of my Star Trek background, I think I started watching with ne- The Next Generation. Um, and then for some reason, I don't know why, and it may be to do with what you were saying about um, it just not being widely known, like you didn't see advertisements for Star Trek series really very much. And so not I missed, in the UK, no. No, so I missed Deep Space Nine, um, and I didn't actually watch it until its final season. Um, so I've only ever, and I don't think I've rectified that ever. So I've only, I, apart from a few episodes here and there, like, uh, is it Trouble with Tribbles? Um, yes. Yeah, that was the 30th anniversary episode. Yeah. Amazing. So, Amazing. Yeah, Even it's a great to episode. today, it holds up. Yeah. So I've watched a few episodes here and there, but the last season I watched of Deep Space Nine all the way through, and I really liked it, um, really enjoyed it. But um, Voyager, I watched from the get go. And when Voyager came out, I mean, you would think one of the first things I remember seeing was the ship. Um, and I was like, that's incredible. Like, that is... It's just a gorgeous-looking model, that yeah. miniature that they yeah. built. I um, can't remember who built the miniatures, but Michael Acuda did some uncredited graphics work on it, mm. which is a name that everyone should recognise in Star Trek fan. But that miniature of that ship is gorgeous. Yeah, it's, it it, it's the best Star Trek just, ship. It's just... I think it helps... Because it's smaller, I think the scale works better mm-hmm. for a smaller ship because it's more believable and relatable than yeah. this massive humongous like thing that is the Enterprise D that someone that 
did the math as to the interior volume of that thing, and guys, it is it is <laughs> stupidly humongous. <laughs> it doesn't make any logical physical sense. But yeah. when Voyager came out, like you said, Andrew, it was just it. The ship's just this gorgeous little thing, and mm. it just. It's got this love, you know. It's going to sound really nerdy, but it's just got these lovely lines to it, and it's just. And Rick Sternbach, who designed it, it's just, it's just glorious. It's just. Yeah, I mean, the only other ships up there with it are the Enterprise E, because I love the redesign of no, the Enterprise. Yeah. And weirdly, and I don't know why I like this, but it always struck me as like a weirdly awesome ship design. And I can't remember the name of the ship, but there's it's either a Mirror episode episode. Try me, Jason. Uh, Andrew, sorry. Uh, so it's it's I don't think I can't. But it's a next generation episode, and I think it's a mirror universe episode. I believe um, where Crusher has her own ship, and it's like a. Uh, it's oh, like a that ship. is um, that's all good things. That's the finale. Is it, and it, is it the one that it's like almost a sphere? It's the USS Pastor. <laughs> Beverly that's Crusher's it. medical ship. <laughs> that's it. Does it have Pretty a sphere? You know how it's how the the, the the Enterprise has like a disc. Does the yeah, Pastor have a sphere? It's on the a front? sphere. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was always struck was... by that because it was so different from any of the other ship designs. I was like, that's weird. That's incredible. Yeah. That was. I'm I'm not that much of a nerd. I don't. I'm not good at remembering registry numbers, guys. Come on. Like I know the main ones, but <laughs> yeah, that was the alternate future that Q presented to That's it. Picard. But I mean Voyager definitely was it's the best ship. Um like really cool like like you said because it was so small you felt like you knew everywhere on the ship as well so not just the outside of the ship was great but also you felt like you know you knew the dining hall because usually in Star Trek it's a really generic place but because of Neelix it became this yeah. kind of hub of its own with his little you know his cooking bit and everybody used to just come in and marvel at the weird and wonderful alien things he was cooking which was always fun yeah. and you know, even the, even the um, the sick bay became its own thing because of the doctor and the fact that he, yeah, you know, until later seasons couldn't leave. He was always there. Yeah, so it that's, was again one thing that I completely forgot to bring up was that the holographic doctor, the mm-hmm. chief surgeon, is killed in the in the first twenty minutes of the show. Yeah, we got Star Trek's first holographic doctor. How yeah. awesome is that? Literally, like a emergency medical hologram. And he has to be on almost all of the time, yeah, to help people because there's no med- there's minimal medical staff because they didn't plan on being shot across the galaxy. They were just on one small little skirmish, yeah, exactly. And they weren't prepared for it. And if yeah, he, seeing, if seeing he's not fresh your... cooking as well, it's just great idea. Yeah, I was gonna say if the EHO is not your favourite Voyager captain, the uh, captain character, then uh, you can <laughs> just go home now. Yeah, I, I love I love Robert Picardo in that role. Too. It's just perfect. Yeah, like you said, perfect casting oh, just... throughout for the most part. I mean, there's one character. Well, no, there's two characters that I'm not so keen on. One's not a major major character, but for the by and large, they were all cast so great. And the whole point, like you talk about the Doctor and the fact, you know, he he suddenly had to be on all the time, and then they kind of kind of they kind of like programmed him so that he would have you know more empathy and all because obviously he didn't yeah. really care he just wanted to be turned yeah. off he's like so they programmed him to be better and then he ended up like you know progressing becoming human almost you know they gave yeah. him the ability he... to leave the sh- leave the ship leave the yeah the you know all this kind of stuff and he became his own character and almost i think 
the whole point of Voyager is that they were all on this journey of discovery of themselves because everybody yeah. grows as a character. Yeah. You know, like you get Seven of Nine in the later series who grows from being, you know, severed from the collective to becoming more human. You get, um, you know, Kez who doesn't know who she is and then she works out that she's, you know, she becomes this enlightened being. You get um, Paris who goes from being, you know, uh, somebody who was in prison, like you said, he was, mm. you know, he did bad stuff to becoming like this amazing stand-up um, staff officer and yeah it's it's just an incredible journey for all, all kind of pay their dues in a way and well apart from kim apart from the uh, <laughs> as yet still unpromoted yeah. harry kim poor harry kim still uh, the end scene. <laughs> but yeah it's just yeah like fair enough they didn't have the plot threads that they originally intended to have the ship constantly be in a state of disrepair and the characters in conflict with each other. But like you said, the personal journey that they all go through of discovery and acceptance is fantastic. Mm. And They they didn't need to be in conflict with each other all the time, though, because uh, Bellana was in conflict with all of them at all times. So, Yeah, but then they (laughs) they write that down to her, like, you know, part Klingon. Yeah. Which, that's the thing. When When you look at it on paper, the character development of Voyager is actually... It's kind of very, very slow, <laughs> and you don't mm. get that payoff until like the later two or three seasons. So it takes a while for it to get going, like on uh, a character level. Standard Star Trek, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Back in Whereas, the, you know, the first think, two series were always going to be a bit yeah. slow and and not as good as the later ones because they were putting all that putting all those seeds into the show. Yeah. Voyager, I just yeah, I, it's just comfort to me. I don't know why. Yeah, even the crap, even the really, really crap episodes. Like <laughs> there are a few of them. Yeah. Oh God, I think the but, one where uh, was it Janeway and Paris turn into a lizard? Oh no, that's <laughs> <laughs> is that Queen Queen, Queen Arachnia? Or is that that's, one? That's threshold. That was uh, <sighs> where. It's probably a good thing, Andrew. It's probably it, a good thing. It's where Tom Paris theorizes that you can break the trans. The, Warp ten barrier and achieve transport. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, that, they and he starts turning into a salamander, and it's yeah, just like, yeah. what the hell is going on? It. This makes yeah. no sense at all. And then he's got Janeway on a shuttle with him, and she turns into salamander. And at the oh, end, and they, they, had sex they or find them, and there's these two salamanders, basically men in latex costumes, <laughs> just like oh, moving around yeah. dodgily, and they're little baby salamanders. Yeah, yeah. and. And the classic reset button is really cringe. It's just like, what the hell? And then <laughs> next scene, they're both sitting in sick bay. They get in there, they're in injections. Everything's fine. They're all back to normal. We 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 uh, conveniently reversed that thing that you did, Tom. Oh God, <laughs> you go back to your duties now. And they left the babies wherever they were. No I mean, one knows what happens to I mean, Janeway some... and Paris's salamander weird mutant baby things. <laughs> I mean, there's some like mental scarring going on there somewhere, oh my God. and they yeah. just walk away. It's, it's just batshit crazy. Yeah, I must have blocked this. I do not remember this episode, but no. the, the, they did have a lot of crazy episodes that either didn't make sense or just were hilarious. But that was part of the charm of Voyager. I thought is that they got the freedom to explore really stupid things, but sometimes they weren't. Yeah. Like yeah. so many holodeck episodes, because they had to rely on that a lot because they're in the middle of nowhere, and obviously there's lots of space between them and wherever they're going, yeah. and they exactly they have to rely on that. And that was great. They come up with some amazing episodes, like the whole yeah. World War Two thing they came up with. Mm. Yeah. What, was the, what was the name of the hunter species again? I've forgotten what they were called. Oh, that um, was the. Um... 
Herogen, that's it. Herogen's, that's yeah. it. There's something and like, they, yeah. they come back and, like, they put them onto a planet and basically hunt these species yeah. for sport. And yeah. it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the but hell? It was, but it was, it was, like, the whole, like, because at first you had no idea what was going on because it was just, like, they were all in World War Two times and acting like they weren't the characters they were. And we're like, yeah. okay. And they did that quite a lot. Like, they did that a lot and it was actually mm. really really cool to see mm. and then they experimented with stuff like they had what was it uh, species 8472 mm-hmm. um which was like a weird thing because i hadn't really seen that in star trek before where it was something completely outside of the galaxy um that came in and mm. the, the the fact they got to use the borg which you know i, I was like i love the borg the borg one was you know, it's the greatest star trek enemy in my mm. in my books you know first contact is probably my favorite star trek film and because the borg are in it and the borg queen and they utilize them so well and yeah. they got you know you, you i say they utilize them so well you had echeb poor echeb if you've watched picard oh, you know about poor echeb poor, um, poor 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 man poor echeb um but yeah, it was it, the, you know the fact seven of nine was a Borg, and they made a character who used to be a Borg. When up until this point, apart from Lacutus, a Borg, of course, nobody really ever left the collective. You know, you'd not really seen that, not to the degree where they're a main character on a Star Trek show, and you got mm-hmm. to see her evolve and grow. And Seven of Nine is a fantastic character, even better because she replaced Kez, who was one of the worst characters. <laughs> yeah, again, um, like just didn't work at all. No. No. And Jerry Warright, and let me just say this, like coming from someone I think she was an ex model who went into acting, she's amazing. She is. She's absolutely Very amazing. Amazing. It's a shame about the sexist cat suit they put her in, but Yeah. My, just, my teenage brain wasn't thinking that. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly that's what it was for. And she's just amazing. She knocks it out of the park. She she was the highlight of Picard for me. Like I I I, I mean you know we're not here to talk, talk about Picard. I didn't like Picard. I don't like any of the new Star Trek shows. Then they don't feel like Star Trek to me at all. But she was the highlight of that. Like when they when they told me that they were bringing back mm. Seven of Nine more so than Picard, I was like hell yeah mm-hmm. Seven of Nine coming back yeah. yeah. I don't agree with some stuff they did in Picard. Yes, Patrick Stewart wanted to do it. It's like a passion project for him. But, but it's strange. I've tried watching Picard. It's all right. It could, could be done so much better. Yeah, it's, it's not for me. I mean, I would always go back to... Like, like you said, I'd, I'd always go back to Voyager because it's just... It is comfort. It is, like... It, it's nice to watch. You know, like, Picard, everybody swears. They have a random Vulcan um, Federation chief wearing sunglasses for no reason. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's it just doesn't make sense. Voyager makes sense within the stuff that they'd made and it's silly and you know but it has great character like Janeway is hands down the best captain I don't care if you're a Picard fan Janeway is amazing yeah but again it all comes down to I think everything doesn't it like Mm. performance not so much writing but the way that character is embodied and carried and interpreted by that actor is stunning absolutely yeah and I, I agree with you she's one of the best she does it so well, and you know she, she. You know, you were saying earlier how um, a lot of the characters take quite a while to kind of come into their own. But I think Janeway's the one character who was there from the beginning, and you kind yeah. of got her and understood who she was, and that was important because she kind of anchors the show. Um, and but she's she's great. I mean, you know, and she's got amazing 
famous one-liners like there's coffee in that nebula which is yeah. the, the best like I, <laughs> I at one point i tried to start a voyager podcast uh, with my friend mike from the dreamcast junkyard which was called there's a podcast in that nebula um we made one episode and we were going to like watch all of voyager and mm. then like do a breakdown of each episode but i have so little time <laughs> that we never got to do it apart yeah, from so one that's episode. That's the thing. um quick question before we we have to move on um and that, which kind of Janeway did you prefer? Did you prefer the uh, the caretaker, strict, kind of um, rudish kind of Janeway, or did we like the more relaxed, uh, you know, hair down, bit more friendly kind of Janeway that we got? What you mean the, the, the coffee drinking, the coffee version of Janeway, the sure, coffee drinking you know, version of Janeway, had... or the Tuvix executed version <laughs> of Janeway? Yeah, we had the hair up in a bun, <laughs> Janeway at the beginning, didn't we? And the I love I love that the hair up in the bun, but when mm. the when the ship had gone like had taken a bit of a battering, there'd be a few strands of hair that had come out of the bun, mm-hmm. so you knew that she was slightly dis- dishevelled. But yeah, no short hair Janeway when mm. she had the short bob. Yeah. That's the best Janeway. Yeah, I think yeah. good answer. Excellent. Uh, Voyager is notable for being the most gender balanced Star Trek series with the first female lead character and strong female supporting characters. Mm-hmm. With a review of the different series giving Voyager the highest. Bechdel test rating. I don't know what mm. that is, but um, women talking to other women about yes. things other than yeah. Men. Yes. So yeah. there you go. Oh, okay. Thanks, so thanks, I've, mate. I've contributed now. So well done, I made my Star yeah. Trek. Yeah. <laughs> oh, something's well read over there. <laughs> um, in an article about Voyager, Ian Gray wrote, "It was a rare, heavy hardware science fiction fantasy, not built around a strong man." And more audaciously, it didn't seem to trouble itself over how fans would receive this. On Voyager, female authority was assumed and unquestioned. Women conveyed sexual power without shame and anger without guilt, even more so than Buffy, which debuted two years later. It was the most feminist show in American TV history. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd give clicks to that. That's totally true and amazing, mm. yeah. Uh, about her years on Voyager, Kate Mulgrew said, the best thing was simply the privilege and the challenge of being able to take a shot at the first female captain, transcending stereotypes that I was very familiar with. I was able to do that in front of millions of viewers. That was a remarkable experience and it continues to resonate. Um, Star Trek Voyager, yep, banging episode, uh, TV show, and uh, it's definitely one that you should check out if you haven't done so. Thank you very much, Chris, for bringing that to the show. Uh, let's move on to the next one then. And Andrew, please, why don't we have a chat about your TV show of 1995? Ooh, okay. Um, I, I love TV. I've watched a lot of TV. I've watched a lot of TV shows multiple times. I think, I'm pretty sure, this TV show I've watched the most, as in I've re-watched it multiple times, um, and that is the TV show, the, the sitcom friends gentlemen pick your category fears and pet peeves what is monica's biggest pet peeve animals dressed as humans that's correct (laughs) ladies same category according to chandler what phenomenon scares the bejesus out of him That is correct. The Irish jig guy? His legs flail about as if independent from his body. Gentlemen, your pick. It's all relative. 
Monica and I had a grandmother who died. You both went to her funeral. Name that grandmother. <laughs> Nana? She has a real name. <laughs> Althea! Althea! What are you doing? I took a shot. You're shooting with Althea? Althea is correct. By shooting! <laughs> Every week, the TV guide comes to Chandler and Joey's apartment. What name appears on the address label? Oh, Chandler gets it! It's Chandler Bing! No! I'm afraid the TV guide comes to Chenandler Baugh. I knew that! Rachel, use your head! Actually, it's Miss Chenandler Baugh. I know it gets a little bit more of a bad rep these days because obviously as anything from the 90s, some aspects of it maybe haven't aged quite as well as others. Um, so, you know, there's, there's always going to be some things that people are not so keen on nowadays. But for its time, and even still now, it is just such a... Uh, and we talked about the cast of Voyager being well cast. The cast of Friends was incredibly well cast. The amazing characters, um, it kind of... It was, it was one of those shows that was the right show at the right time mm-hmm. for, you know, for the people in that time. You know, there, there's some shows that were ahead of their time. There are some shows that kind of looked the past a bit too much. And Friends was very much, you know, it was 90s New York, uh, young single people um, kind of sharing the experience of of being adults together, you know, in a, in a funny way. And with me and obviously with a huge amount of people, it was just an incredibly... Um, incredibly done show um i i feel like I, I explaining it and what it was is 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 pointless because i'm sure every single person in the entire universe has at least heard of friends if they haven't seen it if you haven't seen it you know where were you for the entire 90s you know it was everywhere it was on every channel like it was everywhere I, wasn't it it was crazy it was so it was you know but i, I remember watching it I don't know if I picked it up from the first season. It might have been a bit later, and then I went back and watched the first season. But I remember I watched everything. I would tune in to watch it. I think it was on Channel 4 that they used to air it here. Um, And I would watch it religiously. And then when it had finished airing, I would watch the the repeats. And then it came out on DVD. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm buying the DVD. So I bought the entire 1 to 10 DVD box set. And I believe I bought this at university with my student loan. Wow, um, that, that's so, a pricey DVD box it, set as well. It was it was pricey. It was honestly it was it was hugely expensive at the time. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, it's student loan. It's it's free money. It's fine. So I bought this, and in my student house at university, we must have watched the entirety of that box set at least three times, if not four. Um, we'd literally just put on a disc when we got home from university, or nice. if we were bored, or if it was a weekend, and we'd just watch it through. Um, unfortunately, that that box set has long gone. Um, mm. I lent half of it to a friend and never never got it back so i just yeah. got rid of the other half because it seemed pointless having half of a box set um but yeah it's i've, I've watched it so much and it's it, like voyager being a comfort friend is always like a, a comfort because you can put any episode on and just know that you can sit there and maybe you won't laugh out loud or at it or anything but you are in familiar company with people that you've kind of gr- grown up knowing because mm. you know I, I grew up with the characters of Ross, Rachel, Phoebe, Monica, Chandler, Jerry, you know, I, they were people that I knew well uh, because I watched them for 10 years and then continued to watch them mm. a lot. 
So going back now, even if, you know, if I catch an episode that's on repeat on the television or I think I've got the box set on iTunes now. So if I, you know, if I fancy just like chilling out for an hour, I'll put a couple of episodes on. You know, it's it's just one of those shows that, yeah, it it's just great. You can just watch it under any circumstance and be entertained at the very least and, you know, kill some time. It's it's just, it's it's weird. It's, you know, but it's also a great show. It's well put together, well cast funny um you know there's just so much to say about it but it is it's just an incredible show that i don't think has ever been matched in those regards the only show that comes close to it in my eyes is will and grace in terms of sitcoms but friends just pegs it for being just yeah just so good do you think um some of its success is down to the stories that they and the jokes that they that they wrote and and performed because i feel like when i go back and watch it um, <clears throat> excuse me. It doesn't get a. It doesn't get boring. Mm. Is that a good way? You know, like you can watch some shows and roll your eyes. Oh, it's this episode, or it's that episode, and yeah. this, that, and the other. But I always felt like with Friends, no matter what episode it was, um, it was still interesting, yeah. even though I'd seen it ten times. Exactly. That's yeah. It's like you, even if like I got to the point with some of them, I'm not. I can't do this anymore. But I could literally mouth the words to the episode as I was watching it because <laughs> I knew it that well but like I say it's, it just wasn't it wasn't boring and I think yeah it is down to the fact that the performances were great they wrote it was just so well written and everybody bounced off each other so well you know all the characters there was there wasn't a dud character at all and anything anybody that they brought in was you know it was always interesting and yeah it's it's just one of those like I said you can just put on an episode and be entertained and I don't know. I don't think I've ever met anybody who hates Friends. I've met people who are a bit ambivalent towards it and maybe mm. they, you know, they, they can watch it, but they don't really care. Um, but I just think I, even my, my grandma used to watch it on E4 and she was like, oh, yeah, I watched Friends the other day. And, you know, she was in her 60s and she was still enjoying it because it's just one of those shows that it almost transcends the age barrier and, you know, different um, people's backgrounds and stuff because people can understand, you know, what it's like to be a young person finding your way in the world, finding love, you know, hanging out with your friends. You know, you might not be exactly the same people as, you know, the main characters, but you can get where they're coming from. You can understand the trials and tribulations that they have and you can appreciate the the comedy that you, you know, that they find in the stuff that they do on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah. I think, um, like, when you talked about the characters, like, I think for a comedy show as well, that they wrote those characters so well they gave each one such different characteristics um Mm. and backstories that i think that's one of the biggest parts of its success was was having those those parts in the characters um and it kept it it kept it fresh because you had ross who was into dinosaurs and you had joey that was into acting and monica who was a chef um and they had all these different they just wrote the personalities as well of these characters so differently, but so uh, so well that they gelled so nicely mm. on the show. It was exactly. just the, the complete chemistry of it was was just perfect, lightning in a bottle. It was. You, you you also had the whole thing where people would you t- you decide which character you are. It's a bit like Sex in the City in that regard, where people go, "Oh, like." I'm 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 a Ross, you know. I'm, I'm obviously mm-hmm. a Ross. You just yeah. you, you kind of 
think oh i'm I, i'm like that character so in school everybody like oh yeah you're you're the phoebe or you know you're the monica um because even though they have very defined character traits you could see something of a lot of people that you knew in the characters in one of the characters yeah so there was a lot of that but um yeah they they did really well like they all gelled well and the way they introduced the characters to begin with was was quite inspired as well because you know you had this close-knit group of friends in was it ross monica phoebe joey and chandler and then rachel who you know ross and monica used to know suddenly comes back into the picture nobody Mm -hmm. else knows who rachel is um and they suddenly have to get to know her and in by proxy you're getting to know rachel and you're also getting to know all of the other characters and understanding their relationships to each other so it was a really good start to the series that you know you got thrown just as rachel gets thrown into this group of friends you also get thrown in and you kind of get to know them all and their eccentricities um yeah very quickly and i think that was a really inspired way to start it i think uh when i when i do think of friends and i think about the small negatives of the show i think one of the well one of the biggest things that always comes to my mind is like that they all had like relationships between each other mostly you know mm. and, and this and the other and w- what was your feelings on like the whole rachel joey thing and Do you, you grasped that as soon as you said <laughs> that <laughs> that's that's the hot button topic for friends isn't it it's like oh, yeah why did they why did why did they get Jerry and, and Rachel together, and I'm like, and I know that the the actors weren't keen on it either. They didn't like the idea of it, but they kind of went along with it. And in the end, they went, "No, we have to stop this. This isn't good." And a lot of people didn't like it because obviously people just thought, "Oh, Ross and Rachel are meant to be together, so what's going on here?" And it did feel to a degree like they were reaching at the end there to kind of, but it's make like yeah, some drama or something. It's like yeah, okay, I can get with Monica and Chandler. They get together and this, that, and the other. They're, okay, I could get that. Rosh and Brachel already had history. Okay, mm. fair enough. But then they just felt like, uh, yeah, I just felt the Joey and Rachel thing. It, it, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. I don't know. Just, it was just uh, a bit weird. But I didn't. I didn't. I like. I didn't hate it. Like a lot of people hated it. Like really hated it. And I was like, I don't hate it. Like it's fine. I. I kind of get it. I'm glad that it didn't continue, but I didn't hate yeah. that whole arc. Um, but you know, it just felt like they they did it right with Ross and Rachel. Yeah, like you said, they had history. They they could have ended it differently, you know. But it felt right that they ended it like they did with Ross and Rachel. That was fine. Monica and Chandler felt very natural. Um, and then it was only right for Phoebe to have somebody that was outside the group because she was so quirky. It just didn't work for her to be with Joey or somebody like that. It just wasn't wasn't going to work. And then Joey is just the playboy, isn't he? So it mm. just it didn't feel it didn't feel right for him to settle down mm. with somebody, and then he didn't. So they played it right in the end, but getting there, yeah, there was a, there was a few blips, and the the Ross and sorry the Joey and Rachel thing was a bit of a blip, but it did get us the episode where Ross is fine, and I quite like that episode. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, so what was your favorite episode do you think i mean that's quite a hard question to ask i guess but like if you can when you think about friends uh, i mean like for me obviously the special when they went to london yeah uh jumped out at me straight away that the whole special uh one or two episodes was always i'm gonna say is one of my favorites yeah it was good it so the last few seasons were fine and there's some great episodes in there but i would never say it was any of those um 
like the first few sites like, that they're probably the two that stick out in my mind is and i can't remember the titles unfortunately but there's the one where ross has a speech to give and he's trying to get everybody together to, to get ready and um is it yeah chandler and joey have a fight over this chair and end up like joey puts all of chandler's clothes on and all that kind of stuff it's just a really you know it's, it's all set in that apartment the whole mm-hmm. episode they don't go anywhere else it's all set in um monica's apartment really good really funny um there's the episode where they do the quiz to win monica's apartment oh okay remember that yeah, one? yeah um that's a great episode as well oh, there's there's so many like there's a few that keep coming to mind but those two probably are yeah are probably up that, there as, as the best for me they're just really just hilarious episodes that that you know they're really simple but they work really well i think they're the one that's just come to my head i think it was another special where they went to vegas and then yeah. uh joey found his hand uh, hand twin that's it yeah <laughs> and it just yeah. would not let it go he just kept going back to that dude and that dude was just like just leave me the f alone please just go away um and like joe was just all over him <laughs> just quality stuff so funny yeah that was good there's so many there's so many um like cameos from famous people in that as well and yeah and a lot of a lot of shows don't do it very well but you had people like julia roberts who was incredible in the episode she was in it was very early on i think she was in it mm-hmm. she played like one of chandler's old school girlfriends or something or yeah. somebody that he rejected as a as a kid and she was great and then there was um, bruce robin willis. williams bruce willis yeah so many didn't cool sleep people in through the episode so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh tom Selleck himself you know exactly of course. Yeah. the ledge was uh, was quite a recurring character for for quite a while, wasn't he? Yeah, Dustin Hoffman as well. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally yeah. any Hollywood A lister you could think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you two. Sean Claude quite... Van Damme. Yeah, was he? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. he was in the same oh, one yeah. as Julia Roberts. Yeah, Outbreak Two. Yeah, that. that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, fic- the fictional Outbreak Two. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm still amazed at how. Robin Williams and uh, Billy Crystal improvised that entire scene on that sofa. Mm-hmm. Neither Fantastic. of them knew what either one was going to do, and they both ran with it. Yeah, and so good. the actors had no idea how they were going to interact with them on set. It just literally so spontaneous, and you can actually I think some of the actors are actually quite shocked, and they they're just like stunned because they just don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Friends was always on in our house. I think my mum started watching it because it was about two years after my dad left us. So it was kind of a comfort thing. And I remember my mum saying, oh, you, know, you got you kids watch this. It's quite funny. It's great. And yeah, we kind of like, yeah, um, Andrew, we kind of grew up with it always in the house. Uh, it was always on. Mum, My mum really liked it. So it was naturally always on. And as I got older, yeah, you sort of dip out of it when you start to go to college and school and you start to work and um, but yeah, it was always on. I always have fond memories of it. Again, it's a it's a comfort thing. Um, I've never sought, I never went out of my way to watch it. Yes, some of it's very dated now, but it's always a comfort to me. Along with sitcoms like Frasier as well, because that mm. again, that was that was on too on Friday night on Channel Four before you were old enough to go out. <laughs> on your own you know what I mean it was one of those things that you was always there and yeah I've nothing bad to say about friends really at all um, just it was one of those things that we grew up with just like yourself and, mm-hmm. and we yeah. recently lost uh, is it James 
Michael Tyler, didn't we? Yeah, Gunther. Mm-hmm. Last That's month. right, yeah. 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 That's sad. That was sad, yeah, it's very, very much so. Uh, it, um, sorry, on, sorry. I was just going to ask Rich, you know, he's been quite quiet with this one as well, if he had any memories yeah, kind of friends. Yeah, similar-ish to Chris. It's not something I sought out. It was kind of like just kind of very in the middle for me. And it was something my sister was kind of into, and I think I was probably around the age at the time that you were kind of like seeking out things to be avidly mm. into. So things would come up on TV. I mean, this is at the time where, you know, TV was giving you things like the X-Files and yeah, I was looking for something else thing, yeah. to be like, oh, what can I be into next? What can I get videos mm. of or a book of or something? And I did watch it with my sister and I was kind of quasi into it. I remember mm. going to the uh, Warner Brothers store in um, Lakeside and picking up a friend's mug. <laughs> just <laughs> random memory. I was wow. just trying to be into the craze at the time because... Everyone was obsessed about getting the Rachel cut, and it was just like massive. And I just yeah. kind of found myself kind of dipping my toe into being part of the craze, but I never really was massively into it. Had a massive Jennifer Aniston crush, but uh, of course, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I think at the time I wasn't, and probably I, I continue not to be massively into your typical like three camera sitcom um never been my thing um but i i did like friends at the time it's not something i watch now and it's it is always on television at least somewhere in the world at any given time um but yeah fond fondish memories um i kind of found myself out of curiosity watching some of the uh reunion thing and then uh Mm-hmm. James Corden showed up, so I turned off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, and uh, but everywhere. what I saw that was like, oh, this is nice. This is quite touching. When they went into the apartment and it was all redone, it looked spot on. And I think it was um, wasn't um, Matthew Perry. It was a bit emotional. I think he was a bit yeah. choked up. Yeah. yeah, which was quite sweet. I remember that. That was kind of a bit of an endearing memory from that. But uh, yeah, it yeah, was nice. It, it's a really weird one, friends. It's really, I can't quite say where i sit with it it's, yeah yeah, yeah like, it's it, sorry um andrew so i was gonna say like, like i said before it's it, you either you either love it or you kind of like it like nobody hates it it's like you either mm. love it or like oh it's okay <laughs> yeah 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 very absolutely. true These are, i i i keep com- i it's unfair to compare sitcoms but when you sort of line them all up like a sort of regiment inspection you've got fraser which is this Yes, it's tropey and it's cringy sometimes, but that show was phenomenally written and mm. acted. And I stand by my guns. It's just amazing show to watch. It just hits every beat. And I think because of the, the older generation of the cast, it doesn't feel as... Oh, what's the word? Not, not cringy, but... I think it works better because you see them as older than you. I don't know why. I think yeah. it's, 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 I'm trying to label it and it's, it's trying. And I always, for some reason, I don't know why, compare Friends to the Big Bang Theory. I can't stand, <laughs> I cannot stand the Big Bang Theory. I Ugh. tried watching it and I'm like, I, I can see where they're going with it. Yes, some of the jokes are funny. But it ended up becoming a cheap, like, stab in the gut to fandom and 
nerd culture itself rather than an actual homage. It landed really badly with that kind of culture, but everyone seems to love it. And I stand there sometimes and I'm watching it and I'm going like, I don't know why this is a thing. <laughs> That's one of the things I, that kind of really hit me. I remember growing up and watching like, you know, just Saved by the Bells and that kind of stuff. And mm. with friends as well. Um, my dad was always very vocal about your kind of younger or teenage yeah, this American is exactly sitcoms. What I was getting to, <laughs> he used to get irate about it. He always called it crass and just oh, it's annoying and turn it off. And then like years later, I knew my dad was fully retired when he said to me like, "Oh, I watch Big Bang Theory. I really like that show." Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. if, you'd, "If you from like twenty five years ago had heard this, you'd be furious." Yeah. I even got him a I, one Christmas. I even got him a bazinga mug, and my like my soul died. <laughs> like, yeah. It's what he that's, wanted. And that's, <laughs> that's where my, my, my mind comparison works because it's a long running and I kind of see it as kind of like this generation's friends phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. And weird now the age our parents were in the nineties when we were all watching friends and stuff like that. So it's weird because it, the Big Bang Theory has never landed with me, and I've tried. I've tried. My friends love it. My family love it, and I'm sitting there. And I just don't. I don't get it. Um, are you a fan of the Big Bang Theory, Andrew? Do you know what? I I don't I don't mind it. I I, I I think I randomly I had nothing to do once. I can't remember what was going on in my life, but I think I was just like, oh, I want to watch something funny. What what have I not seen that's funny? And I was like, I've never seen the Big Bang Theory. It's never really appealed to me. And I put it on, and I think I've watched about eight seasons of it now um i've not finished it i know it's finished now i've not finished it but i don't mind it. it it's it hasn't grabbed me in the same way friends has but i like just to again just to have something on in the background something to occupy your time it's fine mm-hmm. um but you know friends was more than that it's it's now yeah. kind of something to occupy my time because i've seen it so much it's like you know it's lost its original charm but it's still great to watch um I think the, the only sitcom now that I can watch to properly laugh and really enjoy is Will and Grace because that show is funny all the time and has never lost its its laughs for me. Like, friends can raise a few chuckles here and there at some of the, the good jokes and it'll put a smile on my face the, the majority of the time. Will and Grace will literally sometimes bring me to tears with how funny it is. So, um, yeah, just a bit, yeah. But Big Bang Theory, it's okay. Um... I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on How I Met Your Mother because that seems... I've never seen it, but that seems like a bad sitcom. Same, same. No, never seen I've, it. I've one seen ever. one or two, you know, when you sort of... You put the TV on when you come home or you're around someone's house and it's on, like, E4 or something, but I've never gone... Again, like, with... I've never gone out of my way to watch these shows. Mm-hmm. Now, Wood and Grace, we used to watch, again, it was early 2000s. Again, it was... My mum would watch... You know, uh, Channel 4 on, um, on a Friday night. Friday and nights it, were loaded, seriously. Yeah. Jesus. And Wood and Grace was one of the scheduled shows, the US imports. and BBC Two and Channel 4 were killing it. Yeah. Yeah, big time. And I just yeah. remember being quite impressed with Will and Grace because it, it had... It's all about the chemistry. Yeah. It's all about the actors you find that bounce off of each other, which is why so many of these lightning in a bottle projects work, such as Ghostbusters worked, such as... You know, Cheers worked in the 80s and why Friends worked in the 90s is because of the chemistry with all the yeah. actors. If your casting is wrong, it doesn't work. Yeah. Now, 
you may like the Big Bang Theory, but if you if you watch it enough, there's not a lot of chemistry going on between a lot of the cast. Yeah, it's true. They're just yeah, true. there, delivering their lines, yeah. waiting for the joke. Mm-hmm. There's there's no there's no spark. The only spark you get is from Jim Parsons, mm. and that's from sheer determination on his part to craft this character. All the rest, it's just, I don't know, and there's just something missing from the Big Bang Theory that you can't put your finger on. Like Malcolm, look what look at what Malcolm in the Middle did for family sitcoms in 20 years yeah. ago. That cast was perfect. That All the people cast as Malcolm's family just were, it was like an electrical storm going on. Mm-hmm. It was perfect on so many levels. And then you, you come from watching that and then you watch Big Bang Theory and you can you can see what's lacking. Some there's somewhere in there. <laughs> and again to like again to compare, like when you watch that seventies show I have a weird love for that seventies show, but it's all about the cast you have and how well they get on and connect with each other that make the show work. Friends is a perfect example. And also yeah. Rich's next choice is a perfect example <laughs> of how to do it correctly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, speaking of Rich's pick, we uh, we better get on to that one because... Uh, I've got five minutes. Yeah, all right. <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> Go. Well, although the producers thought of Friends as only a TV show, psychologists investigated the cultural impact of Friends during the series' run. Aniston's hairstyle was nicknamed the Rachel and copied around the world. Joey's catchphrase, how you doing, became a popular part of Western English slang, often used as a pickup line or when greeting friends. The series also influenced the English language, according to a study by the University of Toronto that found that the characters used the, used the emphasised word so to modify adjectives more often than any other intensifier. Although the preference had already made its way into the American ver- vernacular, usage on the series may have accelerated the change. Chandler's habit of ending a sentence unfinished for sarcasm also influenced viewers' speech. Interesting. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, again, a lot of long words in that small amount of space. And I did I'm a well. Bit... <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers. It's all right. <laughs> Uh, well, not patronising whatsoever. <laughs> no, not at all, mate. Uh, well, let's get on to our last TV show, Rich. And uh, what was your TV show of 1995? Well, I mean, mine is... Um, it's probably <laughs> the most critically and culturally successful Irish show in history. <laughs> it is, of course, Mrs Brown's Boys. Oh, no, sorry. What? It is Father Ted. <laughs> I read a bit of one of them once. God, I couldn't finish it. The language Unbelievable. It's a bit gritty, but that's the modern world, Mrs. Doyle. Uh, it was a bit much for me, Father. Feck this and feck that. Yes, Mrs. Doyle. You big bastard. Oh, dreadful language. You big hairy arse. You big fecker. Fierce stuff. And of course, the F word, Father. Bad F word. Worse than feck. You know the one I mean? Yes, I do, Mrs. Doyle. F you, F your F and Y. Oh, I don't know why they have to use language like that. 
I stick this effing pitchfork up your hole. Oh, that was another one. Oh, yes. I see what you mean, Mrs. Dawn. Bastard this and bastard that. You can't move for the bastards in her novels. It's wall-to-wall bastards. Is it, Mrs. Dawn? Anyway. You fecker, you bollocks. Get your bollocks out of my face. I'm just But yeah, it is, of course, um, Father Ted, um, which was kind of a phenomenon out of nowhere, really. Um, many people still consider it to be one of the best sitcoms ever. Um, it kind of led to a lot of successful careers as well. Um, so Father Ted was about three Catholic priests, and they'll be relegated to what is essentially the worst parish on Craggy Island. And it kind of chronicled their misadventures. Um, It was a show that was created by Arthur Matthews and only Arthur Matthews. No one else created this show whatsoever. Um, Just him on his own. Uh, Less said the better about that. Uh, (laughs) I can go off on a a Twitter rant, but I won't. I can name some random anime producer or something. I don't know, but anyone but Glinna. Um, I'm just just sitting there just laughing because I know exactly (laughs) what you're doing. (laughs) And yeah, it's it's a fantastic show. I mean, for the uninitiated, you're probably just going to think it's a show that is kind of taking the piss out of religion, but it was a show that never actually put religion at the butt of the jokes. It was just about men who had the job title of being priests and it never was actually anything to do with what they did in their day. It was pretty much anything but. Um, I mean, the only time I think that the show actually touched upon what they did in their day um, was the episode Speed 3, where they, <laughs> they perform a mass. Because <laughs> they actually perform a mass to help Father Dougal, who's trapped on a milk float with a bomb on it. Um, that was laid by... a. Pat Mustard, rest in peace. Uh, I, 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 I can't talk about the show with a straight face. I'm grinning like it's weird right now. It, I, it's just mad. It's absolutely mad. I, I feel like I don't know how I first stumbled across this. It was one night, Channel 4, and I decided to tape the episode, the one with the, um, oh, what was it now? It was the beast on Craggy Island with the <laughs> sheep. <laughs> Sorry. Oh god. And I just I was like, okay, I'm watching this forever. It was like a Saturday morning I was watching on tape. And just when they would they'd throw to like the um the smash cuts of when when Ted is basically spewing off all the evidence, kind of Scooby Doo style, how he's kind of rumbled um whoever it was that was scheming and what they were trying to do to scare the sheep. And every time it would throw to a cue, it just had that bah! sound. <laughs> and I just lost it. I lost it. And there was always that one guy in the audience that just said fucking hell to every cue, every clue <laughs> that Ted would just deliver. Like he was just some kind of like Inspector Poirot. He just, it was just, I couldn't, my brain at the time, I couldn't process what I was watching. And I loved it. It was the, it was the first time I ever heard the word feck. And... <laughs> It was like, I could say fucker with my parents now. Fantastic. Um, cast of characters were mad. I mean, other than, obviously, you had the regulars, like uh, Dougal, who's amazing. Um, Mrs. Doyle, the really very, very neurotic tea lady. Father Jack, rest in peace. It just, you had other characters, such as, um, obviously, the absolutely terrifying spectre of Bishop Brennan. Um, <laughs> Father Noel, obviously... Played amazingly by Graham Norton uh, in the best Riverdance performance of all oh, time. With, that's the one in the caravan in the, the 
Yeah. We just does the like <laughs> we does we just does the river dance like the five hundred yards stare looking forward, oh. and he just does he oh. just tips just, the caravan over, and you just see this caravan go over, and it's just like doesn't he do it on the table in the caravan as well? Yeah, and you just like, oh. how this doesn't physically work. And we decided to do a screaming contest in the caves as well. That's, that's yeah. the um, the famous uh, Richard Wilson. One foot in the grave crossover. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <believe laughs> you again. <laughs> just starts hitting him with his cap. <laughs> and Dougal's like, oh, do you like it, Ted? <laughs> it's like, no, Dougal. I, oh, God damn it. I love the show so much. I, I'm just, I need to watch it. It's something, if it comes on TV, like what Andrew said about Friends, it's comfort to me. I'll always watch mm. it. At yep. like Christmas time, I guarantee that the Christmas one will be on and I'll watch it. it it's just a wonderfully insane show it is very very Irish Craggy Island is a character in itself as well I mean you've got a weird bunch of characters other than Bishop Brennan you've got Tom who's like the resident thug in the uh, I shot JR shirt with an eyebrow hello father (laughs) it's like it just I just I just I just had a flashback of that episode when someone phones Ted I'm a bit lost, Ted. Am I on the right island? <laughs> Is there a man sitting on a brick on a, on a stone wall with an I shot JR t-shirt <laughs> and it stuck with me because it just cuts to this manic-looking man with one eyebrow <laughs> just staring this guy down. <laughs> oh, it is uh, so many episodes, man. When Ted gets accused of being racist, he has- <laughs> He's like, hello, Father. I hear you're a racist now, Father. <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> it's like, oh, I was just, oh my God. Oh, I shouldn't be doing the Irish accent. I feel like this is probably offensive to someone, I don't know. But <laughs> I'm just, oh, this show is mad. Um, my mum's my family are all Irish. So I've, that's right, cool, I've heard some of the slangs and the effects many years before. And um, yeah, Father Ted, oh my God. It's just, just it's wonderful. I mean, was that two series? I think it ran. You had the yeah. Christmas special, two Christmas specials. Oh, three series and two Christmas specials. That was it. And yeah, it's just an energy about it. I mean, I'm thinking now to the football game with Dougal watching the corner flags. And, and, <laughs> and it's, oh, Arlo Hannon is just amazing at that. His facial expressions. It is like a masterclass in like physical comedy. He does so much with his eyes. And how Dougal just looks. Yeah. Constantly it's the blank on stare. Yeah. yeah. Like he's confused, like, he's nervous, he's Yeah, it's just it doesn't it, need to it, say a thing. They, they they the way the writers there's one episode where I think Ted Ted's talking to Dougal and they encapsulate Dougal's character perfectly with like one or two lines and it says um oh is it how did you become a priest Dougal? <laughs> and he's like, Did you did you like apply in the back of a cornflakes box or something? <laughs> just basically politely just did it randomly, like for no reason. It is like, I'm sure there's a gag in this moment. I can't remember what episode it was or the exact words, but it was along that kind of gist of it. I'm sure. I swear there's like an episode as well. There's like a little gag in it where Dougal just pretty much like he kind of it's a throwaway bit of dialogue, but there's almost a bit where Dougal kind of just says like he doesn't even doesn't even realise. They're priests. He just doesn't know what they're there doing. Yeah, I, he's just doing I, it. It's just like such a moment where you're like, oh my God, you're questioning everything because he's so, so beyond clueless. 
Yeah. And it's throwaway. It's not part of an episode. It's not like a core gag. It's just... But again, it's, it's, it's done... So... Ida Lohanlon obviously contributes quite a lot, but the character as well is just... It's presented as a kind of like uh, a guy who's always been around this village. He started out as an mm-hmm. altar boy and then, say, just, just ended up falling into a trainee priesthood just because it was just there. <laughs> so... And, but it's just the way this this innocent naivety about him, where it just exists. <laughs> He's not going to hurt anyone. It's just, it's just <laughs> I just remember the image of now when he did the funeral service and it's like oh, the hearse is on fire. Oh my He's god! Just screaming! Just you like... let Dougal do a funeral. <laughs> he stands and he goes absolutely <laughs> mad. <laughs> <laughs> so the hearse is on fire seriously it's like how it's just like he was so many questions and everything oh. and he's just doing that blank stare oh, just, just, it was commotion going on he doesn't know what's happening just one of the many best clanger lines from Father Jack oh it's just when they're at the, the county fair and it's just this really it's become a thing like I use it quite a lot if it's something's really shit and you sort of turn around so well you Phoenix Knights that one up didn't you like to be this really shitty kind of community project type thing and that fair is awful isn't it like there's a guy what is it isn't a roundabout powered by, by a tractor chain or something <laughs> it's just a piece of wood on something yeah and the uh, was it the 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 bird's eye view thing, isn't it? Just a cherry picker. <laughs> Just lifting people up. <laughs> and it's the, it's the bit where I said, and interview now, live, on the news. Father Ted Crilly. And Ted's at home. <laughs> <laughs> and Dougal's just standing there. And all you hear, Father Jack, is like, how did that gobshite get on the television? <laughs> Still my favourite, my favourite Jack line. <laughs> Still, my favorite Jack line is oh. it's it, it's probably like kind of quasi it's not, questionable it's not the now. Brick, is it? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> there's the episode when there's a bit when all the rabbits are in the house and he's sitting oh, in his yeah. chair. He just gets up and goes, "Hairy Japanese bastards!" and just walks out the living room. And I was just like gobsmacked. I was like, "That is <clears throat> the greatest thing I've ever heard." Um, I actually bought my wife a, a brick one year. <laughs> Anniversary is actually a nice ornamental brick from Etsy. It's like nicely treated and it's got I love my brick on it. We just put it in the garden. So we actually have got that. I bought it for um, it was actually anniversary present for a brick. She loved it. So still got it. Um, oh my God. I, I, I love this show. I love this show. It, it's just, it's been a little while since I've watched it, but there was a point I was watching it like pretty on the reg. Um, it's fantastic. I mean, song for Europe. I can recount all the lyrics to my lovely horse in my head. <laughs> I want to shower you in sugar lumps. You know, take it to the horse dentist. It's just <laughs> fantastic. It is a fantastic show. Um, and yeah, deeply, deeply miss Dermot Morgan. I mean, yeah. I sometimes forget he died 24 hours after they finished filming the last yep. Christmas special or last series. Yep. And, and he didn't. Like, I don't believe he even saw the show go the global phenomenon either. Because no. I think we got it. I think was it a year or two after it was produced in Ireland, if I remember rightly. Probably. So it wasn't like an overnight success. And yeah, he didn't get to see the show blossom and become this massive hit. Um, 
just because I remember the this was it the newspapers was just says Father Ted's dead and I was just like well, what yeah uh, and then <laughs> Father Jack died the same day exactly the same day didn't he like yeah the, about twenty odd years later mm-hmm. yeah mm. I, I, which I f- f- blows my mind like mm. absolutely blows my mind um, but yeah it still it still lives on I mean um, I know there is. Um, there is actually a football match I think that happens somewhere in Ireland um, they basically the winner gets to gets the right to call itself Craggy Island um, <laughs> there's a place called Einishmore that hosts the Friends of Ted Festival they've been hosting it since 2007 and they actually do a lovely girls contest <laughs> um, there's a Craggy Island World Cup and a Song for Europe competition they actually do as well um, so they actually do a real event for fans and they do all those little mini events within it, which I think that's mad. Really lovely. I mean, there actually is a lovely cool. girls' contest. So, <laughs> yeah, I just—it's just such a, a quotable, iconic slice of nineties television that yeah, just—it's the when all the priests get together on Craggy Island. Was it on Craggy Island? They get together for a convention and they get lost in the department store, <laughs> and it's the most self-aware moment where Ted turns around and says. Do you think it's going to look a bit funny when half a dozen priests in a lingerie department in this store? <laughs> it just it was sort of the most self-aware commentary of the priesthood I've ever witnessed. And I was just like, oh my god, they went there. They fucking went there and did that joke. And it's just it lands so beautifully because in the context they are half a dozen priests stuck in a lingerie department and they can't get out. But it's the most human of human things because we've exactly. all been stuck in a department like that and you can't find your way out. And you also can't find your respect respective other half because they've gone missing in the shop. <laughs> it's just the most hu- human reaction, but they just happen to be priests. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Oh, and kicking Bre- Bishop Brennan up the ass. Good old... Oh, is that? Hello, Len. <laughs> it's like when just, oh, yeah. When, don't Dude, call wave him you, Len. Wave you do. Don't call <laughs> him Len. You big bollocks. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, morning, uh, morning, Len. And he does it all through the series. Every uh, single episode. It's, it's the image of Brennan when he's running with his cape like Batman. He's like, ah, oh, description. Yeah, and they, they, really? put, like, they put like metal rods in his cape and it just makes him look this massive, like... <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, it's, oh it's just got so many amazing oh. bits. Ted, oh. have you seen my record collection? <laughs> <laughs> Dougal, you have one record. <laughs> it doesn't make it a collection. <laughs> Isn't it like BBC sound effects? Or something? Yeah, yeah that's, that was the Beast of Craig Island episode, yeah. And it's just like, oh, oh God. Christ. I think of the strength of the episode, I actually got like BBC sound effects CDs from like, the library because I was like, this sounds yeah. hilarious. Didn't use it to scare sheep, so. But I had fun with them nonetheless. Uh, just, oh my God. I, I, yeah, I adore this show. It's so fantastic, so quotable, and it just has a very special place in my heart. And mm. yeah, it, the fact uh, it sounds really weird saying it, but the fact we lost um, Dermot the way we did, it kind of gives the show this extra feeling of just this very. Um, what's the word to put it? It's just this very contained, like very precious, like little diamond of a show where it. Yeah, it existed within a very short space of time, and I don't know. It, it kind of makes it weirdly extra special, which maybe sounds weird and morbid. I don't know, but I don't know. It, yeah, it, I, I love it. 
I love it. So thank you, um, Arthur Matthews. You are fantastic. And Graham Linden, go fuck yourself. And the other guy who will remain <laughs> nameless. <laughs> I always said his name too late now. <laughs> Just like bleep it out. <laughs> yeah, redacted. yeah. We'll fix it. We'll fix it in post. Uh, I take from your silence, Andrew. You're not really that familiar with the show. No, I mean, I mean, I've I've watched it. I'm um, my other half is a huge Father Ted fan, um, and I've seen probably the vast majority of the episodes. I haven't watched every single one of them, but when I have watched it, it is it is very funny. I haven't seen it for a very long time. Um, but yeah, I do, I do like it. I appreciate it, and uh, and hearing you guys talk about it doesn't make me want to go back and watch it again. Maybe watch the entire the, the entirety of it. But yeah, it's it. Like, even if I'm not like a super fan of Father Ted, I to- uh, I totally get it. I, I almost thought I said Super Ted for a second there, and that's, <laughs> that's that's the thing I am a super fan of. Um, but Father Ted, no, I I I get why people revere it so much, and um, I definitely want to go back and watch it again. And I, you know, talking about the um, different scenes and stuff, I remember a fair few of those, and they are hilarious. And uh, yeah, it it, it is. Uh, you know, we talk about lightning in a bottle stuff. And this is one of those one of those things, and it's it's very yeah. plain. even even if you don't like really really like it, you can <coughs> completely see why people love it as much as they do. So, so I'm the only one here that hasn't seen it. Well, <gasps> really, damn, Jason. I think it's on Netflix, isn't it? I think uh, it is. it's on all so. four. You Apparently can, it's on Japanese yeah. Netflix. I'm tempted to see. If they've given it a Japanese audio track, I will watch that shit with English subtitles. I want to watch Father Ted in Japanese. I that, think that, that, would, that be would be quite funny. Would even be funny. better. Yeah. So Jason oh, yeah. has to watch Father Ted and Rich has to watch all seven seasons of Voyager, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got, I've got easy deal. tasks. So. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's fair. Well, you heard it here first. Rich is going to go through all, what, all, all seven seasons in a month. Yeah, easy. Easy. All right. <laughs> uh, Father Tim won several BAFTA awards, twice winning for Best Comedy Series, and remains a popular sitcom in the UK and Ireland. The 2001 poll by Channel 4, Dougal, Dougal, sorry, Dougal, Dougal <laughs> was ranked fifth on their list of the 100 greatest TV characters. In 2019, Father Ted was named the second greatest British sitcom after Faulty Towers by a panel of comedy experts for the Radio Times. In March 2004, an American remake was in development. This, <laughs> I knew this would get a reaction from Rich. Uh, this version would be set on the fictional island off the coast of New York. Steve Martin and Graham Norton would reportedly play Ted and Dougal. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Martin... Martin had not been expected to take the role because of his stature, but agreed because he was a fan of the original series and would reportedly be paid £500,000 per episode. Nice. Norton was cast based on his popularity with American audiences and in reference to his appearance as Father Noel Furlong in the original series. But unfortunately, that didn't occur. But would you have liked to have seen that, Rich? Um Probably in the same sense, I liked to watch that Red Dwarf pilot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Like, that Red yeah. Dwarf pilot is very interesting to watch. It's like mm-hmm. driving past a car crash. Uh, it's, it's, just like, it's very yeah. strange, but also kind of intriguing as to what they've done. I think with Father Ted as well, I think, even though it was a show that did not mock 
religion. The fact it was part of the actual world the characters were in, I think, for American audiences, I think, or at least for like networks, whoever aired it, they would see it as without any kind of consideration they would see it as something that was taking the piss and i think they would be jittery about it i don't know if audiences would see it for what it was they'd kind of read between the lines and think there's something more than there is and it's mocking you know catholicism or whatever it's like mm-hmm. i think they're just they'd see something that wasn't there and i think the show probably wouldn't have gone down very well it would come across as being offensive or something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah. at least then, I think they'll be a bit more sensitive to it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, that's it, ladies and gents. Thanks very much for uh, sticking around and listening to our ramblings. Andrew, thank you very much for joining us on Thanks this episode. Me. It's been, it's been uh, nice to nice chat to you. <laughs> nice to chat to all of you as well. Yeah. It's been a been pleasure, good. mate. Um, usual podcast uh, end coming up mate just uh, pimp away and uh, let everybody know where they can find you and what you're you know pimp away pimp away pimp away I, I shall um, before I pimp I just want to briefly mention <laughs> sorry um, just if I did episode brilliant. titles that would probably be it oh. it's been have my money <laughs> um, there were, there were, obviously we were only talked about three shows but just to mention four of the shows that did come out this year and to say what a great year 1995 was for TV we got Sliders we got The Outer Limits we got Aeon <laughs> Flux and we got Xena Warrior Princess Aeon Flux Ooh, hell yeah so just to say those as well but yes um, it's been a great pleasure it's been a lot of fun to talk about TV shows in the 1990. I was going to say in the 1995 that's not how you say that in the 90s specifically 95 um, proper nostalgic but yeah if you want to find me uh, on Twitter you can find me uh, at oddment84 uh, you can find me Rich and Jason and also Steve at Dreamcast Years on that podcast and then you can find anything Lost in Cult related at Lost in Cult excellent Uh, Listeners, thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate you spending your time with us. As Andrew has already said, uh, you can find uh, Andrew, me and Rich with Steve talking video games on the Dreamcast years. And you can also find me on the playlist podcast for the cross players. You'll find a link tree link in the show notes, which has all of our links, including our website to handles and more. And if you have a few spare minutes, it would be awesome if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. And if you do, please let us know and uh, I'll make sure that it gets read out on the show too. Uh, Richard, Chris, any final words before we go? Um, for me, it would have to be, that would be an ecumenical matter. There you go, that would do. That's my Father Jack impression. Very, very terrible, but. (laughs) But perfect. Uh, Chris, any any final words before we go? Um, there's a couple of phrases that I think we should leave on. There's coffee in it, Nebula. That's an obvious one. Because I, like Andrew, I love that. That's such a great, great line. It is. And then set a course for home. Perfect. Andrew, have you got a final word? Oh, goodness. Um, Bazinga. (laughs) No. Oh, no. You're not welcome back. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, (laughs) all that's left for me to say is that you've been listening to What's Wrong With Wolfie, an IT's podcast to the max. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.
now. What's wrong with Wolfie? I can hear him barking. <laughs>